I'm Michael Cordova and welcome to the 11th episode of Pod Perspectives, looking at performance, optimization, and diet. I just want to say a big thanks to our sponsors, Floating Point Float Centre for helping to make this possible. So my guest this week is Richard Hussaini, GB Snow Sports Team Strength, Conditioning and Performance Coach with Hussaini Performance and we're going to dive into performance and flow states. Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. I've got quite a big interest in flow states myself with regards to work and personal life and especially working on projects, not necessarily in terms of sports-wise, but in terms of actually getting into that mindset for uh, like writing, basically. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. running business stuff, I need to be writing blogs and information, and et cetera, et cetera. But I... So I understand that you, in terms of your performance coaching, you obviously, as I said, you work with the... GB snow sports team so how how did you get involved with them yeah that's right I mean that's who I kind of work for currently I've been in professional sport for sort of 16 years and I mean I I got into it quite late I went did my I did like a sports massage and I played I played cricket mm-hmm. to a relatively decent level when I was younger I never made it professionally and did a lot of traveling after that and came back and sort of wanted to get into professional sport and I wasn't sure how and then yes yeah, so I did a sports massage course and then I went to my degree so a sports therapy degree at Chichester University when I was 26 and then I was also working with Fulham Football Club at the time as a masseur and really just asked them how do you get to a full-time performance coaching position mm. and so they said you need this 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 and it was it was as simple not as simple as that at all a very difficult road i think going to study late helped me with that focus and so i did the degree i went straight onto my master's strength and conditioning science uh at st mary's in twickenham and and kind of got my went from fulham to harlequins rugby league and then from harlequins rugby league i went to the english institute of sport and really that was my major aim at the start and that's where i was strength and conditioning coach for the GB diving squad between the Beijing and London Olympic Games. So 2009 until mm. 20, early 2013. Um, and that was my first really amazing job position. Um, and I love that. And then after the Olympics, London 2012, amazing experience. But um, I got an opportunity with Exos and went to China for nearly three years, just under three years, and um, worked with their in, in Beijing and Shanghai, working in with their judo, their diving, and a bit of multi-sport, and um, had just the most amazing life experience, both professionally and personally. And then I left China. I lost my mum to cancer, and really that's the reason I came back from China. And then there was a period of time where I had off, and then about a year and a half, two years later, I, I was just went for this job with the GB GB Snow Sports and got this job. So. Um, yeah, kind of. That's, that's a brief overview of, of. There's a more detail to that, but um, yeah, that's how I got to this job right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's quite full on, to be honest. It's basically the experiences in China in terms of how they coach and I don't know. I guess how much they push their athletes. How's that compared to to here? Oh, totally different. I mean, it was an incredible experience to to going from the English Institute of Sport to China was was like going from the polar opposite to well, come one side to the total other side. You know. China is an amazing place and just do things totally differently. Although, you know, that's why they had Western help in because injuries mm. are a huge thing over there and their process, they're very much coach-led, coach-centered in a way in the sense of you do what I tell you. And learning new techniques is quite hard for, I think, Asians in general mm. in the sense of saving face and trying new things because obviously if you try new something, you can't, there's, you know, well, no one can have a linear, no. a straight 
continued progress of of you know of excellence you have to you know undulate and that's what they struggle with but they're more and more open to it and it, yeah it was it was an incredible experience and highly valuable for me in terms of learning professionally and personally and you know i came from an environment where i thought that was the best environment yet the chinese produce world-class athletes time and time again and so they're clearly doing something right and i think there's lessons there are lessons that can be taken from both both those sides and yeah yeah so i mean it's i mean it's interesting so how do you think that your you know the experiences you know that you've had to date combining so the everything you've done in like uk and over in like in china how do you think um and including all your personal life aspects as well but how do you think those that's all kind of helped shape who you are and the direction that you're you're going in and what what do you reckon your what do you think your biggest challenge is has been to date as well biggest challenge has been Losing my mum to cancer has mm. been the biggest learning, biggest growth, biggest challenge. And before that happened, I would say professionally, the biggest growth was to accept new ideas and to understand that people can do things differently yet get an amazing results. But obviously, the, the biggest thing was losing my mum to cancer. And, and that's what's put me onto this path, really, um, in terms of the company I've set up and the, the area I'm going into is very much health and wellness and empowering people to live the life they want because for me i was just totally broken mm-hmm. and i i totally recognized depression i totally recognized poor mental health but to be in it and the grief and everything was i'm so grateful that i had time and allow myself to process that so that's been my my biggest challenge for sure i mean i haven't necessarily i mean i've lost other like family members before but I mean, for me, there's points in my life where I've, where I've had to hit bottom, and I've had to go through like it, it, even with the even before set it like for example before we set up the float center what have you then everything for me so it's, it's kind of a process for me there, there's elements of things and I wasn't really in a very good place anyway myself mm. and it, in having the time to be able to process everything and try and take the positives from it and go okay mm. well. I have to, you know, be able to like grow, move forwards, and then take the things that I have learnt and the things that I want to use and use those to catapult myself into the kind of direction that I want to go in. And in this mm. instance, the same like to help other people in terms of with their health and wellness and trying to mm. achieve things and not necessarily be stuck in a in a cycle because there's a lot of people we do see and it, it's difficult but we're kind of there to sort of help support them not necessarily tell them what to do but to kind of mm-hmm. guide them in the in the right way and point them in the necessarily the right direction and give them the, the support they need to be able to to carry on and to do the things that are really important to them and to make big positive changes in their lives it's a difficult thing and it's and it's like you said in terms of for your aspect in terms of dealing with grief and in terms of the mental health aspects it's something that you know that and especially, I guess, with men, that that isn't yeah. spoken about as much. I mean, obviously, it's getting better bit by bit, but it's they're still, you know, a long, you know, long For way sure. to go. You know, I, th- I think I think that uh, to one to be able to tune into my feelings. I, I lost my dad at sixteen, and and I kind of I I dealt with that in a in a way that I thought that's how you should you should get yeah. on with life and you should get busy and you should get into work and i that's how i dealt with a lot of my emotional mm. uh, a lot of emotional pain up until i lost my mum really and thankfully um that stopped me in my tracks like I, I literally couldn't do anything i was broken and 
And I think the greatest growth does come from the most painful situations, unfortunately. I don't think it has to. No. But I think it, it forces you if you haven't already been able to learn. And and as a man, and I think that's why it's so I'm so the more I speak about my story and the more I share, I I see like a light in other people in the sense that that's a relief because that's how I feel. Or there's there's almost like a permission yeah. that the more people that speak about it, the the, the lighter it is. I mean, there's still difficulties you have to go through, but I think the more we share, the better it is. And um, yeah, and I, and I yeah yeah, it's, it's it's I would encourage as well feeling you know feeling the grief I think comparing my initial my very first experience to, to losing my mum like to be able to feel it and to feel the undulation of those mm. feelings as painful as they are that has so much value because you can start to be aware of of how moods and feeling changes and that kind of put me on to I had two years of psychotherapy almost mm. weekly which was amazing and, and absolutely critical but the, one of the biggest transformations for me was being in touch with a shaman uh energy medicine yeah. and you know this is this is pretty out there for some people it's <laughs> not necessarily mainstream yeah but i coming from some someone who's very evidence-based science-led uh research driven you know kind of in high performance mm-hmm. sport to then when having that mindset to then being open enough to try something how does it work for me and it and it turned out it worked absolutely incredibly well and yeah. a very palpable feeling. And, and I would encourage people to be open and to, yeah, to be open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's really important, you know, and it's something that I, um, I guess that, in, that it's looked at a little bit because I'm going to sort of touch on the flow state aspects, but I guess that's something that's, um, the Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler kind of, I guess, touch upon really in um, in their book Stealing Fire as well. I guess because mm, it doesn't, yeah, yeah. So, and I I find that quite interesting. So I've like some of the people I've met or some of the clients and uh, I guess some of the people I've met on on the way have uh, kind of embraced this way of thinking in terms of you know being a lot more open. You know, yeah, it's kind of been a more exploratory, mm. I guess. I think it's to me it's kind of having like a deeper understanding of of not just your surrounding but like your yourself and a yes. lot of time I think part of it is kind of a lot it's to do with so I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody else where we were talking about uh, acceptance mm-hmm. and the part of it is kind of going okay well yeah you know everybody has like faults of certain things and and there's are there's things that we can always do we can always do better but it's more accepting the fact that yeah there's certain things that you can feel in a certain way and once you get to that, once you have that point of acceptance, then and, and then it, you kind of feel a bit more free and a bit more liberating because then you can think, okay, well, there's now I know and I accept. Yeah, these are the things I can then you know look at different ways to think. Okay, well, how can I manage that more effectively? How can I use that to then to improve myself? To and with, with regards to the you know in terms of anything from I guess from elite performance to to people working in in the city, for example, um, a lot yes. of high power jobs. But yeah, even because I mean, obviously, I mean, we do a lot with elite athletes, um, such as like, for example, I mean, obviously with the, the, the rowers and things like that. Yeah. And the the mental aspect is quite uh, is and the mindset is quite a huge, like, can be a, the, one of the biggest hurdles. Yes. To be fair. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Crucial. 
So, I mean, this is what I would sort of talk to you about. Actually, before before we carry on jumping to the this whole flow state and mindset aspect, it's probably it's probably good to actually define what flow state is actually for our listeners. Because I mean, like, there's a bunch of people that probably would have had an idea in terms of what it is. But if yeah, if you can give us a Flow state was first turned by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi and really um, it's the state of mind where we feel and perform our best and it's a non-ordinary state of consciousness, the same as dreams, the same as visions, the same as awe, so when you're in nature or the, the, you're struck with the beauty of the night sky or whatever, the same as a psychedelic state, it's a, it's a state of highly functional, high performing state of mind though. Um, the signature of flow, which was defined by the Flow Genome Project, was is stir. So selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. Selflessness being you lose the sense of I. There's no sense of you. You're just in that very present moment. Timelessness, which is probably the most recognizable trait, being that time slows down or speeds up. Like three hours can go past in five minutes. Effortlessness, meaning you're just doing, you're not aware of it, you're just in the flow of it, literally. Mm. And R is the richness, so the rich, detailed nature of non-ordinary states, meaning that's where innovation, creation, insight comes from. Um, so, yeah, really that's the overview of flow. Initially then, how did you find out about flow states? Totally stumbled upon it. I, so, like I said, I, I lost my mum and, and in my in my career up until that point, I was very focused on research and reading and um, learning about high performance, so strength conditioning and, and anything that can add to high performance. But I, I'd lost, I just couldn't get into it. I just couldn't do it. And I, I just stumbled upon, I'd already read The Rise of Superman and uh, in China. I, and so this was before I started with the GB uh, snow sports team. And I was always interested in flow. And I just I just stumbled upon the Flow Genome Project. And, and then I started to get into did some of their trainings and it just hooked me and the biggest thing i take from it is the value of of expanding your consciousness the value of of embracing different states of consciousness and the value that brings really high performance you know you can call it performance you can call it happiness whatever like but the value that different states of consciousness give you but in, I mean, is that that's something you try and guess focus with on your on the GB athletes as well? Is that something that you that you try and incorporate with their training? With them, with them specifically, you know, I mean, every athlete will be in flow at some point. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, gold medals are won in flow, creative arts, so you know, scientific breakthroughs in flow. But really, with the GB snow sports, it's about setting an environment where they can access that more often. You know, when they're going off some crazy jumps and they're doing amazing things to see acrobatically and they call it stoke so they're looking for that feeling of stoke okay. and um and so they're looking for that and, and really that's why they do what they do yes they want to win you know the x games or olympic games but they're looking for that feeling that's what that's what makes them feel alive and and it's not you have to we'll get onto the triggers a bit later but you can set up the environment both externally and internally to be able to give you the best opportunity to get into flow it's not like oh i'm going to go and get into flow now it's as easy as that but you can set up your environment yeah. to, I, to give yourself the best chance of accessing flow so i noticed obviously there seems to be from the books i've read so far there obviously seems to be kind of a, a, i think more of a, a great deal of focus on flow for individuals right but you know yep. how, how would that then translate into like a team and can you know can a team have collective flow oh if that's the case is it is it like a particular approach that you would take yeah you just have to look at the last world cup not not i follow football too much but um 
you know, Croatia end up winning. And, and the, the best stars mm. don't very rarely actually win on a, the winning team. And you, you think, um, look at Navy SEAL, so come into your world a little bit. They use, I mean, this is from uh, Ceiling Fire, but they use float tanks um, and they use, to, to, for example, to use flow states to learn languages in six weeks. What makes Navy SEALs Navy SEALs is, yes, they're extremely fit, tough soldiers, uh, warriors, but what makes them special is the unit and how they, they work together. And just linking that into, I guess, normal world, the Assade Business School, mm. um, I think they're based in Barcelona, they did a study on flow and looking at team, predictors of team performance. Mm -hmm. And they looked at two markers. They looked at QEEG, so brain waves, and they looked at heart rate variability. And it's about 150 to 160 subjects. And the emergent leaders down the line were the ones who could not only manage their stress response so they could bring themselves down to baseline quicker, yeah. they could also affect their team. Meaning that almost like a, in, an entrainment where if you've got a room of clocks, the biggest pendulum, I think, will will bring everyone into the, bring every other pendulum into line with them, something like that, I forget. But that, yeah, basically that, so they're looking at biomarkers, literally like almost like precognition. So they're you just just by looking at simple biomarkers, and so you can train that. You can train stress response. You can see just by looking at heart rate variability and and brain waves, for example. A simple simple measure would be heart rate variability. You can see who struggles with stress response, mm -hmm. and who can and then train that in a team environment to to kind of bring everyone up to the same level in a way. And I would say team as well, depending on what your task is, yeah. whether if if it's creative, then setting up an environment that allows you mis mistakes, allows a free non-judgment environment mm -hmm. that you can you can bounce ideas off. And I mean, they're just two, two examples, but I think, I think uh, yeah, I don't know if that was your question. I mean, it's funny, obviously, it's, I mean, it's really interesting in terms of actually getting into flow itself. And you touched on the, or you mentioned about the Navy SEALs using float tanks as well. So, yep. I mean, I understand that, that the way the Navy SEALs work is it become what they, I guess they, like a hive mind so yes so then it doesn't matter there isn't one specific person that's elite that leads the team it just mm -hmm. depends on what the situation is that if one steps up then if you i guess if you watch them then it's like one yeah. it's, like, it's like one yeah. mind so they all know what they're all doing and it just it everything just seems so seamless yes um, obviously it's, it's, for their job they cut they that has to happen because if any mistake can just just yeah be catastrophic well, it's fatal. So, yeah. yeah exactly yeah exactly but i mean with regards to like the float float aspect i mean if you've you've i've seen you floated before right yes yeah yeah i yeah i loved it i mean i've got a, uh i've built up to a strong mindfulness practice myself so i use breath and mindfulness a lot what i loved about it is that yeah you're just losing the sense losing the senses was amazing i felt very relaxed i it took me a few minutes to, to relax and get into it but i I could get into a very deep meditative state pretty quickly and I loved it. And I think it's, I think to me, I think it's a great thing to do regularly if you can, if one's near you. Yeah. Um, it's just an, e I would say it's an easier way of a good introduction to meditation because you, yeah. it's easier to focus on your breath. It's easy to just, I guess, clear your mind, even though that's a very, very difficult thing to do <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. first. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Do you think this is, this, this is a bit of a, I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. It's a bit of a random question really, but so we mentioned a minute ago with regards to the um, to flow state and with the timelessness aspect, right? And and you're because I guess with regards to flow, you're just so in 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 ingrained into your activity, so focused within your activity, everything else around you sort of that just 
timeless it just disappears right i was just going to say so the reason the timeless so our higher cognitive functions basically our, our prefrontal cortex and the default mode network yep responsible for logical rational thinking mind mm-hmm. that goes quiet and really i guess linking that to flow linking that to meditation linking that to psychedelic states and i'll, I'll talk about psychedelics a bit later yeah, yeah. in a clinical setting that default mode goes offline so the default mode responsible for time yep, for yep. self mm-hmm. and i guess l- linking to mental health like depression anxiety is that's when that default mode is on free run and you know out of control that's where those thought processes come from so a flow state for example sets that up or makes that area go quiet it goes quiet and down and that's why it links to meditation why it links to psychedelic states and that's why they're high performing yeah. that's also why they're healing yeah that makes um, sense that makes sense i mean okay so so for example as well as myself and i talk about other clients but what a lot of people for example when they're floating for example what they report is actually they their whole their sense of time basically disappears these are people who don't a lot of people don't practice meditation but their internal chatter after a while just stops so their awareness of everything just disappears this is the thing is i'm wondering because i guess once you're in a, a flow state I'm, I'm assuming that your your brainwave pattern will drop into more of a like a theta brainwave state would that be would that yeah. be a fair assumption Exactly so, that, yeah. Yeah, so which is a similar, which basically, I guess, is the same as if you were in a deep state of meditation, right? So you want your, you, yeah, because uh, you got, uh, what's it, alpha, theta, and then uh, delta is when you're in like sleep mode, right? So, yeah. um, but this is the thing is, that's like, I, I've, I've done a few like, overnight float sessions, for example, right? So, oh. yeah, and um, actually, right. the weird, <laughs> yeah, so it's all, yeah, a bit crazy, right? And um, uh, yeah, I wrote, uh, like a blog piece about it and recorded heart rate variability and stuff before and after and my sleep during the session and what have you, which was really interesting. But it, what I found what I found more interesting actually was actually the, was the day after. So literally, I did the overnight flow session. So I did I did six and a half hours. I was really kind of super deep into it. But then the next day. I had a, I had a fairly busy day, so we had I had quite a lot of clients in back to back. Basically, I had normally we have like a gap of like an hour in between. I was going to write. I was, thought I'd just get down and just write this blog post. Literally, I normally I find it really like quite difficult to sort of try and get my get my brain into gear to kind of just get the whole flow of it going. But for, for whatever reason, I did the six and a half hours, came out, get everything ready, and then that day, even though I had people coming in between like everything just sort of just like just flowed and it was in by the end of the day it was just the day had gone and i i know stuff happened in between i dealt with clients and stuff but actually i wrote like the full blog in like a day with like no yeah yeah but it's weird but it wasn't it wasn't like i was consciously thinking about it yeah yeah it's just like stuff i think um i think um so we're kind of linking it back to i guess the default mode uh, i guess is my assumption but looking like so linking it to healing flow states or healing non-normal states of consciousness so depression anxiety and where psychedelics come in they they knock that off so if you have a considerable about so obviously a psychedelic treatment and this being to for the listeners to clear this up it's a clinical setting and and to if you're interested it so you've got maps you've got hefter research institute you've got massive organization institutes like imperial college in london got Johns Hopkins University in America for just two for example yeah. that are using psychedelics for mental health so depression treatment resistant depression anxiety depression anxiety are terminally ill 
having amazing results. And really their um, hypothesis of what's going on is that default mode goes offline for a period of time and under you know, psychedelics, you're looking for a lot, like six to nine hours. That's a considerable amount of time for those thought patterns to be stopped and new patterns to be grooved. So like brain is plastic. Yep. And so it gives it time to allow for new patterns to be grooved and therefore that's what knocks people. PTSD, for example, has yeah. been knocked out in a couple of sessions. So Mike, going back to your example, potentially that's what you that window of achievement. If you did that more consistently, maybe that'll be more open to you. I mean that that, that could be why that happened. Yeah. I mean this is what I was thinking is I, I okay, so my kind of like theory is that because you mentioned before about having creating that environment the perfect that environment to be able to get into into flow state, for example, for it's like for athletes and what have you to be able to get okay. Well, they can you'll you'll basically get everything. Everything has to be set up exactly more or less right for them to be able to get into that state quicker to then be able to achieve gold medals, great world records, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in essence, what I think if I'm doing because I'm obviously I'm not an athlete, but for me, I kind of think that being in that float tank one, I'm that's the environment that I can take. Okay, well actually, I'm removing everything from the environment. Environment. So all that's left. Is my mental side, my mind, and once that point, when it gets into like, there's been new kind of research as well. It talks in the um, with um, Justin Feinstein, Dr. Justin Feinstein. So he talks about the same thing with the default default network, and it, it, it basically is in essence what he's found in kind of research is that basically that that same thing happens when you're during a float session. So that part of the brain basically just shuts off. So if you think in essence you're just completely immersed in that one activity, and you're yeah. not, there's nothing you're doing because you're just yeah, and the the environment's designed yeah. to prime yourself to put that in that state. So what I'm what I'm kind of interested in is to whether is to, I know I understand that out, obviously outside of whatever activity you're doing, you obviously have to have certain. Uh, certain things in place i guess if you're to kind of help you mm-hmm. to get into flow state but mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know it's, it's interesting to see whether or not actually because i don't understand if you can obviously train your brain to become to, to get into flow state easier or if if like by doing some of that regularly you're kind of helping it to prime itself to make it not like easier but to tick off one element that yeah. might help it to kind of go okay well that's you know, we can because if your mind's in that calm, relaxed kind of state, sure. do you know what I mean? That would help to I, I, then feed into that. I, I think, think, yeah, and I think I think a simple thing. You know, this kind of talks about some amazing concepts, but I think the simplest thing anyone can do on a daily basis is to tune into breath, yeah, mindfulness, and to and to to support that, have that underpinning everything, because that's going to allow you re- to return to baseline when you have those thoughts and when you have. In my, yeah, my experience, and and that's what I believe. Like, there's so much you could do, but I think the very one of the simple things is is breath and mindfulness. Or yeah, I, I think that. So, but that's but you do that as part of your from your so you do different retreats as well, right? So you have a you got to focus on breath work there, which you said yes. is really important. And you know, breathing correctly is something that you know many of us don't do, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, um, and from obviously this is speaking from from research as well. But uh, I mean, is there any specific, like for example, like breathing techniques as well that you that you, you can use or you can um, recommend yeah. to manage with like stress think, or anxiety? I think, yeah, I think I think breath is such a 
is is such a powerful tool that we all have access to and you know it's the doorway to our nervous system we have direct control we have to do it every moment of every day for all of our life it's the first thing we do and it's the last thing we do in this life and i think just having a little bit of conscious awareness of what's going on with your breath how you're breathing so whether you're chest breathing or belly breathing belly breathing being are you using your diaphragm well or you typically an anxious pattern of breathing is very chest heavy your mouth breathing so for example using switching to nasal breathing at rest brings on the parasympathetic nervous system it, it uh, brings the vagus nerve coherent coherently in your heart coherence increases that so you, you get into a more rest digest state just by switching to nasal breathing and by using your diaphragm correctly and so two techniques one obvious one uh, very simple one like box breathing so start off nice and easy like three second three second inhale three second hold three second exhale three second hold and do i would do that you know 10 rounds and just see how you feel like settle yourself i, I personally like to do it laying down because I can feel, I can relax more. I can feel my hand on my belly, my hand on my chest. And I want to feel my belly rise and belly fall. And another one is four, seven, eight. So four seconds in, seven second hold, eight second out. And those can be done in the heat of the moment in the day, whether you're stuck in the car, whether you're about to go into a meeting, an important meeting, whether you're like any, any stressful situation, you can implement that before it and in it. Um, they're my go-tos. I would also, you know, uh, put people onto transformational breath and holotropic breath work. And uh, just to say a little bit about that, holotropic breath work and transformational breath. So holotropic breath was was founded by Professor Stanislav Grof, mm. and kind of one of the world leaders in psychedelic therapy, um, rebirthing, and that kind of thing. And uh, and he has developed this breath work, you know, just by using breath with a trained, with some with support around you. you, you know, it's a hugely healing method of or technique, to, yeah, to heal trauma and to um, have a very deep introspective journey. I suppose that's where to put it. So um, yeah, they're they're kind of four four different breaths to go and research but to do right now box breathing and four seven eight are very very simple go to and what if you do if you can do three seconds on your box breathing mm. move to four or move to five and for me i'll you know not to go into too much detail but you like we take in oxygen and we're taking in we're, we're expelling carbon dioxide and just simply if if we're mouth breathing too much we're not absorbing oxygen efficiently. And a, and a very simple sign of that would be if you're sitting at home on the couch or if you're listening to this or you're watching a film at night and you, and you have to feel like you always have to take a big gulp of air to quench that need to mm. breathe. Like, you know, you, you feel like you, you end up, you find yourself doing that and that's a really good sign that you're not absorbing quality oxygen. So that would then give me the indication that, okay, right, let's work on building your CO2 tolerance and carbon dioxide mm -hmm. tolerance. Um, and simply, if you're mouth breathing, yep. you're blowing off too much carbon dioxide. And basically, you need carbon dioxide to, I'm not going to tell you too much detail, but uh, <laughs> you, you, we, we, need, we, need, we need levels of carbon dioxide. Yeah, so switch sure. to nasal. 
sorry to waffle on. That's all right. That's all good. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you, so what's your opinion then on um, on the whole like mouth taping aspects, like for like for nighttime with sleep and what have you? Is that something that you'd uh, you advocate? I, I mean, give it a go. Like I, I haven't done it. It's quite a bold. I mean, if I, you, I would say you build up to it, um, and there are people out there who, who, you know, are understand that more than I can say. But I would say, yeah, I would say definitely research it, look into it, and but more importantly, understand why you're doing it. And that's kind of one of the lessons taken from high performance sport. It's fine to do, you know, so many methods and methodologies around there, but why are you doing it? What what answer? What question are you trying to answer by doing that? That's yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm quite interested to, to talk a bit about because obviously you got your business uh, as Hussaini Performance as well. Uh, so I guess obviously yeah. we touched on the breathing aspect a little bit. So what else does that incorporate? What kind of methodologies do you use? I mean, obviously you don't have to give too much detail, but just uh, like an no, overview. Uh, overview would be nice because I'm I might be interested in signing up myself. To be fair, no, I'm very I'm very very happy to go into detail. Um, really, Hussaini Performance, very original name, but um, it's it's come from a lot of the journey that I've been through. And so there are four major components. So you've got my, body care, mind care, nutrition care, and sleep care. And then you've got essential and optimal components of each. And so the essential ones, for example, body care is looking after your mobility. So improving mobility, improving your posture, and moving regularly. Like very, very simple. And then you, go, you, know, you can go into the optimal, which is increasing skill, increasing capacity, increasing range. Um, and then mind care. So looking at nurturing your mindset and in particular like a self-authoring yeah like a self-authoring mindset where you know like i guess a typical socialized mind would be to seek external direction shape we're shaped by definitions expectations and dear to certain identities that we formed only in life whereas a self-authoring mindset would be we've got like an internal sense of direction and we're looking from like an inner seat of judgment so like we've got perspective and look a bit yeah so nurturing mindset using breath and mindfulness to manage state and then reflection and then the optimal would be things like effective psychotherapy it would be adaptive leadership so understanding typical things like i don't know the drama triangle moving from the drama triangle into the empowerment dynamic and mm. you know i think one of the major things we're all uh, generally all of us are caught up in our stories how can we shift from our stories into positive what action can we take we can't control external stimulus or the external world we can control our own world and how can we take control of that and then using alter states like using you know alter states in a legal safe setting um, and and the value you get from that is is incredible and then looking at nutrition so we so sorry in the training involved we've got i've got so there's myself melanie who's a psychotherapist and shaman who, who i've experienced we've also from the nutrition side we're looking at gut health looking at optimizing immunity looking at conscious eating conscious choices eating for energy um, sorry illness and injury recovery and gut optimization so josephine cobb is is leads that side of things and she's a registered nutritional therapist mm. so you really and i'm using her as well like i've used her in my past i had the surgery in my thyroid last year and i've got something called hashimoto's thyroid disease so mm. i'm i've got it's basically an autoimmune disease so i'm coming at it from nutrition okay what food am i eating that's causing that response mm. i think the general medical approach and, and not to knock it down but this is what it's built on is mm symptom oriented so okay you have this here's a medication to deal with that but what i want to try and do is okay what let's get to the root cause of that what's the root cause of it 
and then sleep optimizing sleep i think the sleep is fundamental to health and wellness and it's so obvious we think we do it every we do it we do do it every single night and all of us have very varying degrees of quality and quantity but there are certain things you can set up to very simple things you can set up to optimize sleep and i think sleep is crucial and all of that builds into flow state and really flow state is at the center but if you do everything on the outside it puts you in the best position to access flow so yeah that's the training well okay that's that's, that's quite that's quite, <laughs> it's quite in depth isn't it is how, how many is this over like a set number of weeks i guess or is it what how does it work uh yeah 12 weeks it's delivered online um it's it sounds a lot but it's done in bite-sized chunks and you get support you've got coaching support from Melanie, coaching support from Josephine, coaching support from me. And there's also the community. So maximum of 10 people. So it's not a crazy amount. And then also we partner people up like swim buddies, we call them. So okay. partner up on the course. So to help, to help you integrate this, this experience. And really it's, it's for the long term. It's not just about course and you're done. It's sure. taking these tools into your life. So, I mean, it, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, obviously the, I guess the flow state, the flow aspect is quite a, I wouldn't say, well, obviously forms part of it, which is what I, I wanted to actually ask you about. I guess there's different triggers, right? All preconditions. And there's like 70 yeah. triggers, apparently, well, according to Mihai Chicks and Mihai, apparently. Um, that's right, yeah. yeah. So how these, um, that's the hardest name I've had to learn ever, honestly. I gave a talk last year and just on the benefits of doing nothing. And his, yeah, it took me a couple of, yeah, it took me a week or so, but... <laughs> I, I got it in the end, so it's fine. You want to stay? You don't want to mess that one up. Trust me. Um, no, no, no. But yeah, so I mean, I know you said about the seventeen triggers of flow. How are they categorised? So you've got you've got four psychological triggers: so intense focus, clear goals, uh, immediate feedback. So immediate feedback being like you're doing something, you're do- whatever you're doing. How do you how do you know? Kind of, I think getting. Either if it professionally getting professional feedback, uh, immediate feedback, rather than you know, I think a typical one would be the annual review. Oh, yeah. You know how point pointless that is, really, because you need to have it live, you know, real time, so you can adapt and you can change and you can learn from that process. The challenge skills ratio is the last one. So, where in your life are you coasting? Are you is it too easy? Versus where in your life are you overtaxed or over? subscribed and really flow sits in the middle of that i mean there's not there's a sweet spot between too easy and too hard then you've got them three environment and three environmental so um high consequence an obvious one would be risk Mm -hmm. so the action sports their risk is physical whereas a creative their risk is emotional you know they put some work together whether it's art or writing or whatever and you put it out in the public domain or your professional domain and you have to wait for someone to criticize it or to Credit, credit it. That's an example. Risk could be asking that person out on a date. You know, that, that for example, it doesn't have to be professional. Rich environment, so novel, unpredictability, uh, in deep nature. You know, that's a simple one. I think getting into deep nature where you can see the unpolluted night sky, where you're immersed, beautiful forests. You don't have to go to tropical islands, but kind of where can you get rich, deep nature from? Um, and deep embodiment. How can you use your body in multiple directions? Typical thing would be... You know, can you walk on your hands? Can you do a handstand? Can you forward roll? Have you been on a trampoline? Yeah. Kind of really bringing your body and your senses and, and altering the axis that you, you're usually on in the safest possible environment. 
sort of the action sport athletes are trained to do what they do. But we can go, yeah, we can go to trampoline parks now. We can get into gyroscopes and kind of move in a certain way and, and kind of float tank, for example. That's deep embodiment. That's, yeah. you know, you're taking away your senses in a different area. Uh, you've got one creative, so again, risk. And then nine, social. And again, social being in a, in a team or group experience, kind of similar ones to the psychological, things like shared, clear goals, good communication, um, equal participation or skill level so setting an environment where you can it's a non-judgmental environment and you can put out ideas for example that's 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 at work and really these triggers are you don't it's not about ticking every single one it's understanding which ones are yours is is there anything in particular you do that would that helps you i mean obviously it'd be slightly different for everybody but is there anything what what, yeah what thing what things work for you i think i mean i'll be as honest as possible i was so breath work doing deep experiences of breath Things like holotropic breathwork are an incredible trigger for flow and introspection for me. You know, with you know sexuality, like whether that's on your own or whether that's with a partner, I think if you set aside time to connect physically and, and emotionally, that is a huge trigger. Getting out into nature for me, I do a sea swim every, virtually every morning yeah. in the English Channel. So I'm based in Brighton and I go sort of into the sea virtually every morning. And to me, that is just makes me feel alive. Yeah, I love it. I love that feeling. And then, like a bigger experience would be, for example, going to I've been to Burning Man, and uh, yeah. that that is, you know, what a it's very different to my assumptions that it was before I got there. It's amazing in so many different ways, so many walks of life, so many young, old, kind of so many different types of people. It's incredible, and and I wouldn't, you know, you don't have to go to Burning Man to get an experience like that, but to kind of put yourself in a different environment, novel, novel environment. They're they're kind of some of my triggers. Yeah, I think that that's something I read in the Stealing Fire with the uh, with the Google exec being taken to to Burning Man. And I think stuff like that's quite it's quite interesting because if you're if you're with a group of people that you're potentially going to be yes. working with, working with as a team, you know, having interviews and what have you is, is fine. But you know, obviously, you can, you can you you don't really get the full picture because let's say if you're going to be put you know on paper, you could be like you know the best person for the job, but. If you can't mm. integrate with the team or can't be, if, it, if if the fit's not right, then but yeah. to, to know that even if you're in a work environment, it's kind of you're very. It, it, most of the time, you're you're slightly they, they're a little bit more constrained, I suppose, in terms of well, because mm. you have to follow specific ways of thinking or certain um, ways that the company operates, basically. Whereas if you take them out of that environment, put them in somewhere completely different with the team, then hopefully you you, you get to see them as as themselves and how they're reacting. Yeah slightly more extreme environments I suppose that they're not necessarily used to and then mm. uh, it's a different kind of pressure but essentially it's, it's still they're going to have to experience you know if what, what happened if, what are they going to do and how they're going to react if certain things happen for example mm. and and you're using it's the same skills but in a applied in a slightly different way and it's more down to the personality yeah. of the person as opposed to oh well, I'm yeah. an academic and I can do x y and z but we should do exactly. we should, we should, we should, we should do everybody that they, they should hire to be honest we just just like yeah, yeah. We, should, we should run off the bed <laughs> <man. laughs> I mean you know like if you know to bring it back to I guess a more real level yeah, we don't have sure. to go there but like no. going, going to the countryside without without a map and working his way home or going going to a circus class like there's a circus group down in Brighton where you can do, learn trapeze in a very safe environment and I think again talking about flow I think flow I want to put it into the concept of altered state of consciousness. And if for me, where I was from, from grief, like, is this what life is about? What, what, 
asking many, many different questions ab- about life and what what is what is the point of this and what's going on. And I would I would say that if you're if you're in a very if you know you're if you're unhappy in a mundane life, if you're if you're happy in your life, then maybe flow is you know you're happy and you don't need to rock the boat. But if you're not happy and you you're wondering about what life's about and you you think there's more to life than you're currently experiencing, then that's where flow and non and altered states come in because there's a whole world, a whole different realms out there to to experience and to add depth to life. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, sometimes I think it's difficult because if somebody doesn't know any different, some people want to stay safe, whereas actually, from my yeah. personal experience, actually stepping out of your comfort zone and and doing new things actually you, it, yeah you tend you can tend to feel a lot more alive more oh, do you know what life life is amazing you, you can do completely different things and i mean i gave a i did like a tedx talk thing last year and and i never would have thought you know maybe like three or four years ago I was, there's no way i would be standing in front of 150 odd people yeah, giving a oh. talk and i was like okay well if I, if I don't, the opportunity came and I was like, well, if I don't do it, then, you know, I'll probably just regret it anyway. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm yeah. absolutely, yeah, just, <laughs> uh, just absolutely, it's just really nervous and like proper scared about it. And then actually, and once you do it, it's just kind of weird because you have to go through this whole process of learning everything and going through your talk and, uh. and whatever. Once you're on stage, it, it's just so weird, even if adrenaline kicks in and it's like, you, it's just weird because every, like all the words were there in my head. And they were just coming yeah. out, but it was like I wasn't there. <laughs> it's really odd. It's wow. like you're connected, but you're, you're doing it, but you're not. Mm. So you, it's like your mind just like this. It's just everything's just flowing because it's just like, okay, well, everything's geared this way. And, and because you prepared yourself in such a way and everything's like, okay, well, you know exactly what's going to happen, what you're going to do, and this, 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 this. And if you're looking as you're prepared and you know your stuff, then I guess the same yeah. if you're an athlete that you obviously at, the, at your elite level, then you know you you'd, your skills are, are, are good enough to then go okay well you, if you challenge yourself then you are not obviously un, unachievable but hence why then you get to the people who do like who get the goals and what have you because every, yeah. everything just sort of just falls into place so they it it seems when you see them do it it just seems effortless because exactly that all the elements are there and it's just like wow that's that's like then everybody's like wow that just that just looks so easy. But actually, you nobody. They, a lot of people don't see how many hours of work people put in, or you know the the kind of things they have to go through, the obstacles they have to overcome physically and mentally just to to get to that point where they can mm. where they can just get into that state and 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 do it. I think, and you kind of said it. I don't know. Like it's all about letting go. Yeah. Kind of you, you've done the work. Like your for your talk, you've done that. You've learned. You learned yeah. what you had to say. You you upskilled yourself on presenting, and then. Right, you're on stage. Trust, trust the process, and the same as linking that to an you know Olympic athlete sitting at the top of the the, the ramp as Badagoff is huge kicker. Like I've done the work. I'm gonna. I know what to do. I'm gonna trust and just go for it. And then linking to ourselves in a, in a normal environment, knowing that you know, just uh, I think that's where again breath and mindfulness come in about about being able to let go, not that mm. over anxious, overthinking mind how can we silence that and just trust whatever we're about to do trust and just there's no failure it's a learning opportunity yeah exactly i mean i've spoken to a couple of rows before and actually one of them said that they're the best performance that they've had i say to date was when they they might in the race uh, i think they got silver but actually in, in the race they did they in their mind they were just going through like a normal 
training session. So they they didn't have the pressure on it. They didn't put the pressure on themselves or anything. They just went out there and just did what they what they do normally when they do training. And then obviously they just like it was just relaxed. They didn't. Really put, yeah, they just went there and then got and got silver. So. Uh, but yeah it's just kind of weird it's like if you don't imagine it's not like a race then well it is but obviously you you want to get there with in the quickest amount of time but if if you've got everything mm. already set you, you you thought well you know no i'm just gonna just enjoy it basically um exactly actually yeah. put pressure on yourself oh we have to win you have to have to have to win because then you're just putting yourself in like an obstacle because then you know mm-hmm. you don't you're gonna just be disappointed in it you know and then it's it was obviously gonna come yeah. at a price but like you know it's uh, yeah if you can achieve it that's great i was just going to come back to our like final little bit actually so this one's a bit more to do with the optimization aspect and i'd like to know what would be your like top three recommendations for someone that wants optimal and physical health so kind of what three things that should people should either you know cut out of their everyday life or whatever or what three things that you would recommend that they people um should do okay now um I would say, so linking it, you know, my, most of my career has been in elite sport with, we're very lucky to work with Olympic medalists, um, gold medalists. I would say the key thing is consistency in whatever you do can be consistent on a daily basis. Um, the three things that I would do, number one, tune into your breath, tune into stress response and, and build yourself a mindfulness practice. Um, that is key, I, I think. Certainly from what I felt by doing that, it um, is fundamental to a calmer mind and to a whole host of just a, an, an inner strength. Mm-hmm. Second one, I would say sleep. You know, optimize your sleep. Be aware of sleep. And without sleep, poor sleep leads to cognition. I've got a one-year-old daughter, just, just turned one, and, you know, when she goes through spells of not sleeping, you know, the... the the feeling of that is unbelievable when you're, you're trying to operate with with poor sleep. So I would say do everything you can to sleep. And one one simple thing to do would be I would do breath and mindfulness before you go to bed. Second one, I would cut out screens mm-hmm. at least an hour before you go to sleep. Um, the third one would be move. Move every single day. Consciously move. So whether whether you're purposely going detached from screens and you go out into nature kind of for 20 minutes, go to your nearest park, go to the beach. If you can go for bigger experiences at the weekend, go to a national park that you rarely go to or go to somewhere you've not been to within an hour from where you live. Um, yeah, move. And then well, I got a fourth one because I think it's really important and explore your consciousness. That's I, I would explore the different realms of consciousness that are available to you in a in a safe setting, um, safe and legal setting. So that's my, yeah, kind of three things. Cut out, what I cut out, I cut out news. Uh, Watching the news, been watching the news on a daily basis. I would cut out processed foods. Um, Certainly kind of working with Josephine has has taught me a lot about that, but also a wonderful guy to follow is Dr. Mark Hyman. Yeah, amazing guy. Um, And he said, you know, he, he terms the refined sugar as a recreational drug. So, and because of the effect it has on your body and everything. Um, so I would cut out that, yeah, kind of processed food, news, and refined sugar. I'm um, sorry, yeah, processed yeah. foods, news, refined sugar. I think I try and do most, well, I do all, try and do all these things uh, regularly. I mean, we, we do go for mm-hmm. quite a long, well, we're like quite lucky because we live in, in Berkshire, but um, Lovely, so we're yeah. surrounded by countryside and 
even back home we go back so over the Christmas period we live in with family in Gloucestershire so yeah we tend to go for walks up in the hills or what have you so yeah me and my wife love exploring and getting lost it's kind of one of our, for our second favourite hobbies apparently um, <laughs> there's no point having maps and stuff because even with those we still get lost so it's fine um, it's still part of the adventure but yeah yeah so that, that's yeah I do that and yeah so the movement aspects we cover and I mean, they're all great things, and the same even with the sugar aspect. There's something we've been pretty much cut out completely, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's had like a major impact. And the same we're talking about sleep. So since I've been tracking my sleep data, I've been making a few different changes and, and adjustments, mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely had a, a much bigger impact in terms of how I feel in the morning and yeah. um, how how productive I am and how I'm less kind of brain fog and. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's definitely, great. That's great I think to because I think it's great to I think the biohacking and uh, it's an amazing field and it's growing and it's you know so many wearables and around now. But I love what you just said about you know responding, making change because it's it's easy to get data, but as long as you respond and use it, and I think that's taking a lesson from Elite Sport. You know, so many parameters and variables you can measure, but only measure the ones that you can adapt to because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, this, I think sleep's definitely one of the main ones. The other things, the other things, I guess, one of the other things that's important to me is looking at the like hydration aspect, because that's something that I think we're not. We we try and do our best, but I think a lot of people find it quite difficult. It's just something we don't really mm-hmm. think about. If you know what I mean, it's just sort of we, we're thirsty. We kind of just tend to drink when we are thirsty, as opposed to yes. yeah, yeah, as opposed to yeah, yeah. regular. If you know what I mean, it's 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 something because I guess people so in, into the work or whatever they're doing that it's just tend to forget about it but yeah yeah so if i mean if our listeners want to find out some more uh, information in, in terms of obviously what you do where's the best place to um where's the best place to go best place is uh husseiniperformance.com so www.husseiniperformance that's h-u-s-s-e-i-n-y and then instagram husseiniperformance uh, and then i've got a facebook page as well so yeah we could they, they need to get a hold of you they they can and it's, Great, been, yeah. it's been amazing it's been a it's been a pleasure man to have you to have you likewise on to, 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 to chat a bit more i'm sure i could probably talk to you a lot more about about flow and dive really dive into it in a lot more detail but I think, yeah i think what you're doing what you present on your website and um what you're doing for um in terms of your business and, and incorporating like the shaman aspect of it i think oh, it's really interesting and yeah i think it, i think it's good to be open into yeah i'm quite i'm quite open for exploring consciousness and looking at different ways to have a greater understanding of myself my environment and how i can improve myself and and through that being able to help others as well but we'll see but yeah thanks very much for coming on and talking to us about your knowledge on improving physical mental health and flow states we have some great guests coming up on our future podcasts follow the show on soundcloud or itunes and don't forget to leave us a review on uh, on itunes and subscribe there pod perspectives so we're on facebook uh, as well so we're going to put all the links we've mentioned in the show so thanks for listening uh, i'm off to go and practice my breath work until next time take care and stay healthy